Good morning. You're listening to Morning Musings on Divine Mercy Radio with Matthew Hogan. And now, here's Matthew. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back to Morning Musings today. I'm joined by Father Nick Parker. Which parish are you at now? I'm at Immaculate Heart of Mary Parish in Hayes. So we're going to talk a little bit today about the Eucharistic revival movement and how the Eucharist and adoration can really should be at the center of people's life and how adoration can also help bring people closer to God and the church. So, Father, could we possibly start with just going into a little bit of the theology of the Eucharist and how we get that biblically? Sure. So the theology of the Eucharist, we're just going to do a very basic overview here. It really is scripturally based. I mean, we're the kind of people that, you know, what Jesus says, we believe and we take it, even if it doesn't necessarily make complete sense in our minds scientifically or whatever it is, we're going to trust what Jesus says. If you look at all of the Last Supper accounts in the Synoptic Gospels, this is not including in the Gospel of John, yeah, um, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Jesus at the Last Supper takes the bread and he says, this is my body. And he takes the chalice and he says, this is my blood. And he isn't saying anything in a symbolic way there. He does say that, you know, he doesn't say this is a symbol of my body or this is a symbol of my blood, but he does say specifically, this is my body, this is my blood. And with that, it does leave the scholar to say, okay, well, did he actually mean this or did he not? Because it looks like he's speaking literally here, but of course we know that Jesus spoke in parables as well. Well, the thing is you start comparing that with other passages in the scripture, mm-hmm. like St. Paul and the Corinthians, where he says, if you receive this unworthily, you are answerable to the body and blood of Christ, which is a very literal saying of this is what, what Jesus meant. Also, St. Paul does give an account of the Last Supper as well and the institution of the Eucharist. And there is a line that you will find, particularly in St. Paul, where Jesus concludes with the words, do this in remembrance of me. Yeah. Now, the thing is, though, we have to remember that St. Paul, as well as Christ himself, were speaking in a very different language a long time ago (laughs) and a very different place. And that word remembrance, it's the best word we can come up with in in English, but that's actually not what they said. (laughs) They use a word that in Latin is anamnesis, and it's a very sacred word in the Hebrew as well as in the ancient Latin culture has this entire concept behind it, meaning that when you do this anamnesis, when you do this word, it's not that you are just recollecting or reminiscing or thinking of the past. They had other words for that. But it's a sacred word that means that you are literally lifted out of time and space and placed in the time and space of that event. So when St. Paul says, do this in anamnesis of me, or when Jesus says, do this in anamnesis of me, basically he's saying, when you do this, you are at that one and only Last Supper, celebrating the one and only sacrifice of Christ. It's not a recollection or, or a reminiscing at all. It is a true 
presence. You are in the true presence of Christ. Christ is in the true presence of you. Yeah. So, I mean, if that's what the scripture says, the only way that you can get around it is by dismissing scripture itself. But even then, you get into the early church fathers and they just continue to hammer the point home. Absolutely. Over and over and over again. Then another thing that I might just point out, just scripturally based, is John doesn't have the Last Supper discourse of the institution, but he does have in chapter 6. And if you get a chance, if anybody gets a chance, just read the entire sixth chapter of John. He has what we call the Bread of Life discourse, where Jesus over and over and again says, you must eat my body and drink my blood. If you do not eat my body and drink my blood, you have no life within me. And he repeats this over and over and over again. There is some pretty deep understanding of the Greek in there as well, where he actually uses a word at one point where it says, which literally translates into gnawing or tearing it into flesh. Uh, So he, he actually gets pretty bold and graphic with it in there as well. He just hammers the point home over and over and over again in that discourse that you must truly consume the body and blood of Christ. So in the face of that, we have recent evidence, especially from the Pew study. You probably saw it back in 2019 when I think it was 37% of Catholics nowadays only believe in the Eucharist. And the number is higher for people who attend weekly Mass or more, which is I think it's around 70%. But even then, that's still a rather staggering number, 30% not believing in the Eucharist, even going to weekly Mass or better. To some degree, that might have started with the Protestant Reformation, like 500, 600 years ago, but at the same time, like, how is how has it gotten to this point that so many people, especially with all of the evidence that we have historically, biblically, theologically, like with Thomas Aquinas, where you read his writings on the subject, how has it happened that we've gotten to this point where people would just seem to not care that much? Well, it's really tough to pinpoint one thing, but if I were to speak pretty generally, we live in an incredibly subjective culture. Our culture basically says, if you see something you don't like, fine. You don't have to agree with it. If there's something that has to do, especially with faith or spirituality, that just doesn't fit you, you don't have to go along with it. There's a lot of this, believe what you want to believe, do what you want to do, because in the end it's between God and you anyway, so it doesn't really matter. All of these notions that, in essence, are giving people to invent their own religion. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's really going to put it in those words. Uh, A lot of people won't put in those words. But that's basically what the culture is saying. Invent your own religion and giving people the freedom to do that. And then as soon as I invent my own religion and live by my own religion, then I'm a good spiritual person because I'm living according to my faith. It doesn't quite work that way. We as Catholics need to live by what God has revealed, whether we like it or not and realize that the truth of faith and truth of spirituality is not determined by us whatsoever. We are the ones who abide by what God has revealed. But I think that's one of the the battles that we're fighting is that you have the church trying to be this voice of truth and reality in a world that says, invent your own truth and invent your own reality. And therefore, if you don't want to believe in the Eucharist, our society gives you permission to not believe in what has been very bluntly revealed in scriptures. (laughs) And so the Eucharistic revival movement is a very strong pushback against that to really 
get us back on track and help people realize that it's something that is at the core of our faith and something that's really truly beautiful. Yes, and I, I like how you use that final phrase, that it's something that is truly beautiful. People look at the church as like a bunch of rules and regulations and saying, this is what's real, so you have to do it. We want people to know what's real because it is beautiful. What other religion allows you to sit in the true presence of your God, <laughs> you know, and to be able to have such a union with Christ whenever you receive the Eucharist. And, you know, there's, there's just such great beauty and such fulfillment even beyond what our souls could possibly contain, you know, and just be able to have that access. Why, I guess my, my question would be, why wouldn't somebody want that? Thank you for listening to part one of two of our Corpus Christi segments, The Eucharist with Father Nick. We will now return to the Sunrise Morning Show.